We certainly count it a privilege and a blessing of the Lord to be able to be here, assembled with the Assembly of the Saints this morning, and trust that you would be prayerful as we try to speak to you today. Um, <clears throat> last first Sunday, we tried to speak on, on the subject of regeneration or the new birth. Today, I feel led to look at the sub-Bible doctrine of conversion. Bible doctrine of conversion. When the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he gave, when he rose from the dead, he gave commandment to go preach the gospel to every creature. We see in uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, when we talk about what's called the commission, it's the commandment to go preach. This has everything to do with the doctrine of conversion because it's done through the preaching of the gospel. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24, it says, For if the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We find in Romans chapter 1, Paul says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then he explained, we may go over there for a little bit later. For there, how, Why is it the power of God unto salvation? Because therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It's revealed unto the believer. The salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. We find in the commission or commandment to go preach after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, let's go first to Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, we find that this preaching of the gospel. Christ brought His apostles and one of the things He chose unto Him these apostles and sent them out to preach the gospel and to heal. He sent them out according to Luke chapter 9 verse 3 to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. And verse 6 says they went out and preached the, the kingdom of God. They preached the gospel and were healing everywhere. We find in Matthew chapter 10 the... Uh, <coughs> In verse 5, these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's kind of interesting there that he told his disciples while he still lived, he says, don't go preach to these people. You preach to Israel. You say, why is that? Because that's what God wanted them to do. That's why. He gave them the field of labor that they were to preach at that time in his earthly ministry, to the Jews only. But now we find a change takes place after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he appeared unto his apostles. He now says in Mark 16, 15, he said, don't, he doesn't just say go to the Jews. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature you see. Now there's the extent of the labor as they would go out and sow the seed broadcast. It's not just to the Jew. It's also to the Gentile. There's who they're supposed to preach to when they preach the glorious gospel of the grace of God about salvation through Jesus Christ. And what is the message? We see the message. You know, if you look at the different parts of the gospel, we have Mark, Mark we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's different parts that he tells us and communicates about this command to go preach. In Mark, he says, go preach, and he tells us what the field is. If you go to Luke chapter 24, about verse 46 and 47, you're going to find the content that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be preached beginning at Jerusalem, you see. And then if you look in the book of Acts, it, you'll see the progression of the church and the evangelism and preaching the gospel. It began in Jew, Jerusalem. It went to Judea and then it went to Samaria and starting in Acts 13, it goes to the uttermost parts of the earth to the Gentiles. And if you look in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it's kind of well a summary. He says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to preach to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. And we see in the book of Acts this of unfolding of the gospel of, the G of Jesus Christ being preached. That repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in His name beginning at Jerusalem. That was Luke 24 verse 46, 47 if you happen to be taking notes. And it still confirmed the same thing in Acts chapter 5 
when the apostles were called on the carpet and had to give account of their preaching, he says in verse 31 of Acts chapter 5, Him hath God exalted at the right hand, that's Jesus, to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. There it is. Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in His name. There's the content. And that's... That is repentance and forgiveness of sins that we have in Him through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The great salvation that we have in Him. It is atoning work upon the cross. And that's to be broadcast. That's the good news that Jesus Christ came to the world to save poor, wretched sinners of whom Paul said, I'm chief. Isn't that a good news? If you know you're a sinner, I guarantee you that's good news that Christ came to the world to save sinners, my friends. Because there's salvation in another. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Isn't that the Scripture? That's right. Salvation comes through Christ alone and He's the only one that forgives sin. My friends, He did a work on the cross. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son when He had by Himself purged our sins. Hebrews 1.3 says He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what the theologians call expiation of sin. He put it away as far as the east is from the west. And that's a message of salvation of Jesus Christ and the great work that He's accomplished through His death, burial, and resurrection. That's to be preached. And that's to be preached to communicate the great news that we have that Jesus Christ came in the world to save poor, wretched sinners. Alright? Well, what's the purpose? We've seen John Mark chapter 16. He says, there's the field. Go into all the world and preach. Not just Jews now. Go into all the world, even to Gentiles. We've seen the message that repentance and forgiveness of, pre- of sin should be preached in Jerusalem through His name. What's the purpose? Well, to get the purpose of God's design for the gospel being going forth and to preach with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, witnessing the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ and showing us who we are in Christ. The purpose of that is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go to Mark chapter 28. Mark chapter 28. I mean, sorry. We're in Mark chapter 28. Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. Now we're going to see In Mark, we know the field of labor and of preaching to all the world. We know in Luke, the message involves repentance and forgiveness of sins to be preached. Now here we're going to find the purpose. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus spake in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore... And teach all nations. See, it's not just Jews, it's Gentiles. Go teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have, uh, <coughs> whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even in the end of the world. Amen. He says, go teach all nations. Verse 20. Go, go therefore and teach all nations. He also says teach in verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things. And I am no Greek scholar. Alright. But you can look into Greek as easy as I can. This first teach when he says go teach all nations. I don't know what your center column says. My, my center column says make disciples or Christians of all nations. That's what mine says. You say why would that be an alternate reading? The reason that's an alternate reading is that Greek word there which says teach all nations. It means to disciple all nations or to make disciples. That word in um, in the Greek, and this is true in English too. Sometimes there's words that have that's that's like a noun form of the word, and there's a verb form. This word, teach all nations, in the verb form, you know how it's translated? Disciple. I mean, in, in the, in the, in the noun form, it's disciple. The verb form is to teach or disciple them. We do the same thing in English. You know, I can, I can go, I can, I can eat a slice of pie, which is a noun, or I can slice a piece of pie, right? Governments govern, right? 
preachers preach, right? Uh, I heard one time that deacons deke. I don't think that's exactly right. But some deacons can deke, can deke really good. But preachers preach. Governments govern. This word, teach all nations, means to make disciples of all nations. How are you going to do that? Through the preaching of the gospel. Disciples are made. In a process that's called, the Bible calls, conversion. Now let's go to Acts chapter 15. Which actually is the only time the word conversion is in the Bible. Convert is there many times. I believe I'm right, that's the only one. In, in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 verse 1. We see this is the, and I don't want to spend a bunch of time here because I got to move on. But there were some that were teaching in the church at Antioch, except you be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, you can't be saved. And uh, we talked this morning in a Bible study, the different nuances or aspects or facets of salvation. He's not saying there, if you, if you don't keep the law of Moses, you can't be born again. He's saying you're not going to end up saved at the end, except you do these things, which is not true. Salvation is not by works. Our going to heaven is not by works. All right? But some were saying, well, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. Keep the law of Moses. Well, it caused a disruption. And well, it should. Because salvation is not by works or through our works. It's by God's grace. So they're trying to add works in. It caused a great disturbance. And Paul and Barnabas ended up going down to Jerusalem to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. And verse 3 says, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. He's declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church, and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. Before we look at what conversion is, I'll just take a note here. You, here we see the utility of the gospel. Notice he said, God, the, he declared all the, to the conversion, he declared the conversion of the Gentiles. It caused much joy to all the brethren. And then he declared what things God had done with him, with them. In conversion, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There is a laboring together in conversion by through the preaching of the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Alright? It's something God had done with them. And we'll see this also in Acts chapter 11. It says there were some that were preaching there in verse 20. And it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. You know, in the first, in the church at Corinth, we're talking right now, is that God uses the preaching of the gospel in order to bring, what we're going to get to is, that He shows us the salvation we have through our reception or experience of the forgiveness of sins that we have in Jesus Christ. So you hold that thought. But my friends, God does that through the preaching of the gospel, primarily with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, bearing witness of the truths of the gospel that's preached. And we find here that there was a, there was a contention in the church of Corinth. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is where the text comes into, into consideration over there in Romans chapter 10 that faith cometh by hearing. An active belief and resting and trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior comes, my friend, primarily through the preaching of the gospel when God shows you who He is, that your sins are forgiven and your faith reaches out and takes hold and embraces that truth and you understand that I'm saved, that Lord Jesus Christ didn't just come in the world to save sinners, He came in the world to save this poor sinner from my sins. And it moves us 
to serve Him. The love of Christ constrains us that we should not live unto ourselves, but unto Him who loved us and died for our sins, according to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Go read it. Study it. But here we find there was a contention in the church. Some were saying, you know, most problems in the church, I'm just going to tell you, my preach brethren won't like this, but a lot of it's caused by preachers. Jealousy, different things. But I'm here to tell you, the problem that the Corinthians church had was not caused by the preachers. The preachers were unified. They had a problem in this church because some were saying, you know, Brother Apollos, he's my preacher. Well, I don't really care for Apollos preaching. Uh, Paul's my preacher. So they had this controversy in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and that's the context. That's why I want to bring that. He says, verse 3, are you not carnal? For whereas there is among you envings and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? He says, for while, for while one saith, I am, of a, I am of Paul, and another, members of the church, saying, well, I am of Apollos. Uh, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? And Paul says this, here's what I want to get to, verse 5. He says, who then, and who is Paul, and who is Apollos? but ministers by whom ye believed. They were brought to faith in Jesus Christ through Paul's preaching. Who is Paul? And who is Apollos? We're just ministers by whom ye believed. But the important part is, he says, even as the Lord hath given every man. That is the important part. Who is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have, Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He says what there, they says, verse 9. He says, for we are laborers together with God. This revelation of salvation. Why does it come through the preaching of the gospel? Because it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to reveal the, tr- the salvation we have in Christ Jesus. And that, brother, that's salvation. And alright, let's go, let's go. Alright? To make disciples of all nations. We're there in, let's go back to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15. Gotta move along. Romans 15. He declared the conversion of the Gentiles. What does that word mean? You look that up. That's a, that's a Greek word that epistrophe, an epistrepho in the Greek and also and in the noun and verb forms. That doesn't really matter. But it's a word that's sometimes translated convert, like here. It's also translated turn because it means a turning. Conversion is a turning. And it's a turning of heart, mind, and life. Away from sin and a turning to serve God. Not serving sin, that's serving God. It's a change in your life. It's a change in our life. Conversion. That word is also used here in Acts 15 and verse 19. The same word from which that word conversion comes. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. Turned to God. It's a turning. If we were to just... And and it's not always used in reference to gospel conversion or conversion unto Christ... That word turn is also used like in Acts chapter 16. When we find that Paul in verse 17 and 16, there was a little woman of divination. You remember that? Following Paul around and, and those that come to him says, These be men of the most high God who show the way of salvation. By the way, that's what they're exactly what they're doing in preaching the gospel is showing the way of salvation right there. Alright? Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the way that Christ came and He saved sinners from their sins. That's how you get to heaven. Alright? It's based on that. But Paul got tired of this woman following him around. And it says here, the same, verse 17, the same followed Paul and us cried saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. This did she many days, but Paul being grieved turned 
and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her and he came out her the same hour. It says he turned. That's the same word. That's, that's turned. So he's falling along. And then he turned. He did a 180. You see that? He did a 180. He turned. That's what this word conversion means. It's a 180 turn. It's from going in this direction of sin, drinking iniquity like water, sin, serving sin, Satan, and self, to serving the true and living God. That's going to be the effect. Alright? And that's, that's, and the, and, and the end result is that a disciple is made. Because they're supposed to go out and do what? Teach or disciple all nations. Then you, when you, once you get a disciple, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then you continue to teach them to observe all things what God said to do. A disciple is a learner and follower of Jesus Christ. It comes from the idea of being a pupil. The disciple is not above his master. That's the master teacher. You know, they used to go back in the old days, they called teachers masters. Master. Master teacher. A pupil and follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. And if you want to, and, and before we go on, I want to talk about this cur- conversion or turning. But before that, let me just say, give you some reading. If you want to read, in Acts chapter 13, we find that they were at Antioch in Pisidia, I believe, and there were certain prophets and teachers there. Barnabas and Saul was there. The Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Paul, unto the work whereunto I have called them. In other words, God had a specific labor for them to go preach the gospel. And they did. And you can read it there in Acts chapter 13 and 14. They went here. You can, you can get a map. You can see where they went. Boom, boom, boom. They went to, to, to Iconium. They went to Lystra. They went to Derby. At one point, Paul was stoned less for dead. He got up. You know what he did? You follow it. He retraced his steps back. And ended back to the same place he was when he was recommended to the grace of God to go preach. When he went preaching, and he said in one place, I went and preached where, you know, preaching wasn't known. This is new territory, evangelism. He went and preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified and forgiveness of sins through Christ. And people were, these Gentiles were converted. God did something with him in his preaching, showing them who Christ is. And I'll get to that part in a minute. It's, but, what I want to direct your attention to, as he went, he didn't find any disciples. He just found people. He just found, he preached to just sinners, not disciples, not learners and followers of Christ. There were none. He went and made his, they, they made his, you know, the different cities. Stoned him, left him for dead. He got back up, went back into the same city. And he retraced his steps. Do you know what he was doing when he was retracing his steps? We see here in Acts chapter 14 what he was doing. It says, verse 21, And when they had preached the gospel of that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and, to Iconium and Antioch. What were they doing? Confirming the souls of the disciples. See, when he left those places, there were no disciples there. When he went back, there's disciples. When he left the place, there were disciples. When he got there, there wasn't. And he went back confirming the souls of the disciples. Because God had done a work. As Paul was a laborer together with God, who is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministered by whom you believe. That's right. He preached and you believe this truth. Even as the Lord gave to every man. Alright, so what? I said conversion was a turning. What gave the example of the physical turning in Acts chapter 16. Another example of physical turning was in Revelation chapter 1. Verse 10. Where Paul was in the Isle of Patmos. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Verse 10. And I heard behind me a voice as of a great trumpet. Let me turn and read that. 
He said, I, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of, as of a trumpet saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, send it unto the seven churches of Asia, etc. Verse 12 says, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Where was that voice? It was behind me, wasn't it? This is epistrephal. This is the same word, means turn. In conversion, we're not necessarily talking about a physical turning, even though that's, that's certainly true. But it's talking about a turning of heart, mind, and life. Alright? It's a turning of our heart, mind, and life, which also will be, you know, we're gonna turn from sin to Him. But it begins in a turning of our heart, mind, and life to follow Jesus Christ. And in this turning, it's important to understand there's two turnings. There's repentance, and there's faith. There's repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's two elements of conversion in the turning. And try to explain this. Um, and I'm trying to explain to you how it is. Um, do you know when we if, we, if we turn away from God and we backslide and we turn from God? To idols or living to something else other than God, do you realize there's two turnings when you turn away from God? And what I want you to get to see is when you turn to God, there's two turnings. There's two turnings. Let's go to, go with me. Turn with me to Judges chapter 10 verse 10. Judges chapter 10. This is a prayer and confession of sin as the children of Israel were turning back to God. They had turned away from God. They were serving idols. But they turned away from God to serve idols. Judges chapter 10 verse 10. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. They cried unto the Lord saying, We have sinned against thee. Both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. So I'm going to tell you what. It, they, their sin wasn't just they started serving these false gods. It's a sin to turn away from God. To forsake God. If, you, if you're serving the Lord, if I'm serving the Lord, and I... Turn my back and I start serving idols. There's two sins right there, brother. I sinned against God that I turned away from God. I forsook God. It's also a sin to serve idols. When we backslide, there's two turnings. Because I'm facing this way and I'm going this way. I'm forsaking God to go for this direction. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. For one more comp- confirming Scripture. Jeremiah 2. Uh, that's not what I want. Actually, Jeremiah chapter 3. Actually, it is Jeremiah 2. I'm sorry. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. He says, For my people have committed two evils. See, there's two. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns, which can hold no water. And that's a description of their idols. Broken cisterns. They're vain. They don't serve any good. Your idols are vanity. You have forsaken God. To go to try to get, you know, these false idols which can't hold any water. You've committed two evils. Alright? So if we're not serving the Lord, and we're serving sin, Satan, and the world, there's going to be two turnings. There's going to be a turning away 
from idolatry and sin and a turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. A turning to God to serve Him. I'm not serving this anymore. I'm serving God. And the New Testament, that corresponds in the New Testament to repentance and faith. All right, let's look in Acts chapter 3. We'll see if we, if this two, these are two elements of conversion. Repentance and faith. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. After this impotent man was healed on the, the steps of the, the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And that was uh, noised abroad and the Lord brought him a congregation right there. And he took the opportunity to preach to them. And one of the things he said, he called them to repent. In verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. You ever had a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord when He showed you that your sins are forgiven? He says repent, be converted. Repentance goes along with conversion. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. <coughs> verse 20, it says, And some of them were, talks about verse 19, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen, traveled as far as, as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but to the Jews only. <coughs> And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. Remember what Paul said when he declared the conversion of the Gentiles and he showed to the elders there at Jerusalem the things that God had done with them? God's doing some things with them as they preach. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. That's the same word that's translated convert. Turned. So he says in 3.19, repent and be converted. Here he says, they turned or repented and believed and turned unto the Lord. There's an element of turning away from sin, turning unto Jesus Christ in heart, soul, and life. With the intent of turning away from sin and serving Him. And this is, this is, uh, uh, seen, by the way, this is seen also in the exhortations that would attend the gospel being preached. Paul, uh, the, we start with John the Baptist. We find in Acts chapter 19 verse 4 these same two elements. It says that in Acts chapter 19 verse 4 it says that John baptized with the baptism of repentance. You go to Matthew chapter 3. What did John do? He came and says, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent! Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is part of his address. It's a call to turn away. But we find in 19.4 of Acts that it says that John baptized with the baptism of repentance saying that they should believe on Him who should come after Him, which is Christ. Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Jesus had the same exhortation or call in His Gospel when He preached the Gospel of the Kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, 15. It says, Now after John the Baptist, John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The Kingdom of Heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the Gospel. Repentance and faith. Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul. In the Gospel, he preached. Had exhortations to repent and believe. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the elements and the things that happen when a disciple is made. When a conversion takes place, when a conversion takes place, the end result is that a disciple is made. Here in Acts chapter 20, we find when Paul was, I believe he's heading to Jerusalem at this point on a boat and he stopped by the coast of Ephesus. 
called for the elders of the church and they came. And he visited with the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he said, one of the things he said, says, you know, verse 20, how that I kept back nothing that was profitable to you in his preaching. And have showed you publicly and have taught you and have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Remember going to all the world now. Teach all nations, Jews and Greeks. He says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, what? Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. There's repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. That's how a disciple's made. And oh, by the way, what did we read in Matthew chapter 28? What are you supposed to do when a disciple's made? You baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But you realize there's prerequisites for baptism? In the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, Peter says, repent and be baptized. John, in John Matthew chapter 3, he baptized those that repented. And some of them didn't, they weren't penitent. They just, you know, some of those Pharisees. See, those Pharisees were great religionists. I mean, you, I mean, they were full, full of themselves. And I think some of them wanted to, you know, you know, John says, why hast thou, uh, who, who hath warned you to escape the wrath to come? You realize there's people who do things like baptism to, in order to save, be saved from the wrath to come. They go and experience confirmation. They go and get, you know, whatever it is. There's different steps. We do this, this. They're just trying to flee from the wrath to come. That's not how a disciple is made. I'm going to get to you and say, well, how is this disciple made that involves repentance and faith? We're going to get to that because that's a good part. But you see here, I lost track where I was going with that. But there's repentance and faith. Alright? Repentance toward God. Paul preached repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. He did the same thing over here in uh, Acts chapter 14. When he preached unto those that were in idolatry and wanted to start worshiping Paul and Barnabas in verse 14, it says in verse 15, he ran in among them and stopped them of offering these sacrifices to them. And he said, men and brethren, we are like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth. All right. Oh, I know where I was going. Sorry. So, Repent and be baptized. That's a prerequisite. What's the other prerequisite? You remember in Acts chapter 8. Remember the eunuch? That I believe Stephen uh, met there and preached unto? Or to Philip rather? And the Spirit said, go join yourself to this chariot. And that man, that man, that eunuch was reading out of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And he says, he says, uh, you know, he said, uh, uh, "Whom I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? This of himself or some other man?" And Jesus opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, scripture, and preached Jesus to him. Out of the fifty, that's a prophet. The fifty-third chapter of Isaiah is a prophetic chapter concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, and he preached Jesus out of the Old Testament. All right. Of course, that's what Paul was doing too. He didn't have the New Testament. He preached out of the Old Testament. Opening and alleging that Christ is who he said he was and he died and he rose from the dead. He said, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Paul says, if thou believest, thou mayest. Peter says, repent and be baptized. Well, if I'm going to be baptized, if you believe, you can. There's repentance and faith are prerequisites 
to baptism. You will know why that is? Because the prerequisite to baptism is that you've got to be a disciple of Christ. You've turned from sin, Satan, and the world to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, why in the world would anybody do that? And I've just left myself 15 minutes. Because it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's because the gospel, with God attending the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation to show us who we are in Jesus Christ. Do you want to know one of the, let's, let's go to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 26. Let's get the words of the Savior. <clears throat> he told them in the commission, you go preach the gospel to every creature. You preach repentance and forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ in this dead, burial, and resurrection, salvation through Him. It's for the purpose of making a disciple which involves repentance from dead works to serve the true and living God. And here's what the Savior says. How are they going to get there? In Acts chapter 26, when Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, was struck down on the road, he was struck down on the road there. He had letters in his hip pockets to go persecute the saints of God. God struck him down. And he says there in verse 18, at midday, O king, or verse 13, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven shining about in the brightness of the sun. Round about me and them that journey with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Now here's your purpose, man. <clears throat> Someone said, Well, I think he was regenerated right there. Great. I think he may have been. But what I do know, that he was halted in his evil career of persecuting the saints because God called him to the ministry right there. He says, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness of the things which thou hast seen and of the things which will appear unto thee, delivering thee from among the people and from among the Gentiles to whom now I send you. To do what? To open their eyes. God uses the ministry to do these things. I'm sending you to make you a minister to go preach. And we you say, well, it doesn't say he sent him to go preach. Well, it doesn't say it just right there. He said, I've raised you up to be a minister for this purpose. To go preach. And you'll find here in in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we find that uh, Paul tells the Corinthians that Jesus Christ met him and sent him to preach. In just a little aside here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, <clears throat> he gets up before, he writes this letter to the Corinthian church and he says, you know what, brethren, I thank God I didn't baptize a one of you. <laughs> wow, that, that sounds kind of harsh. I'm glad I didn't baptize a one of you people. You know why? Because you got people in your church there divided by preachers and saying, well, you know, Apollos baptized me. Peter baptized, or, uh, uh, Paul baptized me. You remember they had that division in the church over the preachers. Paul gets up and he says, I thank God. He says, this I say, uh, now this I say that every, verse 12, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul and I have Apollos and I have Cephas and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. There was a couple there you baptized. I thank God I didn't baptize any of you but Crispus and Gaius lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. He says, for Christ, verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And I'm going to tell you, the preaching of the cross of Christ can be made of none effect if you're just looking at worldly wisdom and preaching with worldly wisdom. 
Christ sent him to preach the gospel. Now go back to Acts chapter 26. I raise you up for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness of the things which thou hast seen and of the things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering from the people and from among the Gentiles to whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. There's conversion. To turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they, here it is, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. His purpose is you go preach my gospel that people receive and experience the forgiveness of sins that they have in Jesus Christ. And that's a work God gives us revelation of the forgiveness of our sins we have in Christ. Go with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. When Paul, when Peter was at Cornelius' house, speaking of the death, burial, and resurrection of our blessed Lord, verse 40 says, Him God raised up the third day and showed Him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with Him, and He rose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach and to testify unto the people that it is He that is ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. Jesus Christ is the judge of the quick and the dead. And I'm not afraid of that judgment because he's also my high priest. (laughs) There's a priest that sits on that throne and that's another subject. But I'm going to tell you, he's made peace through the blood of his cross and he's the judge of the quick and the dead. Verse 43, to him give all the prophets witness that whosoever believeth in him shall receive the forgiveness of of sins that comes and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Remember the publican in Luke 18? God be merciful unto me, a sinner. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, my friends. That publican found salvation that day. He found the forgiveness of sins that he had in Jesus Christ. Or actually that verse didn't say he had it in Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, he went to God... And he was went down his house justified, the text says. Because God showed him that you're right. That your sins are forgiven. To him give all the prophets witness that whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. In Luke chapter 1. That's what John the Baptist was going to do. As a matter of fact, in verse 16 of 1. It says in prophecy of John the Baptist, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord his God. His ministry had to do with people's conversion unto God. But here in Luke chapter 1, another thing that John the Baptist is going to do, it says in that verse 76, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto His people by the remission of your sins. My friends, I'm going to tell you, God purposed the gospel to be preached that people might see, feel, hear, and know that their sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. That's why He sent Paul out. That they would receive the forgiveness of sins. That they would find Him as they're all and they're all. That they would find Him. That He is their righteousness. That He... There's a purpose. Now let's go look at the purpose just for a moment. It delights in the Lord that He shows us who we are in Him. And that our sins are forgiven. Go with me to... In, in, in Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I, I didn't leave myself enough time to develop this, but this is the same chapter that says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's the same chapter that says for uh, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. 
And he says, and you go read this, study this at home, he says the difference is, is some are called and some are not. And you'll see that in verse uh, 24. To some we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them that are called, that's what I believe that saved the call with a heavenly calling, a work of God, to be able to give Him a life where He can understand these truths, to them, this gospel is not foolishness, but it's seen as the great power and wisdom of God. The great power and wisdom of God. Do you know why it says over there in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, 15, 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He explains it in the next verse. He says, for therein, that is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Faith, the fruit of the Spirit, the measure of faith God gives us. I can only by eye of faith be able to see the revelation of the righteousness that comes, that's revealed in the gospel of the grace of God. There's a righteousness. Do you know why the only reason that you will stand before God on the right hand side in the day of judgment is because you're clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It became, uh, for He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You go to Daniel chapter 9, my friends. This Messiah He was going to make an end of sins, which He did. He was going to bring in everlasting righteousness, which He did. My friends, He's going to make a... He's going to bring in everlasting righteousness. There's one more I wanted to catch. In Deuteronomy chapter... I mean, sorry, Daniel chapter 9. It says He's going to make an end of sin. Oh yeah. And to make reconciliation for iniquity. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, the legal work of Christ. He didn't just make us redeemable, brother. He redeemed us. And not by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. It's attained, my friends. When He had by Himself purged our sins, Hebrews 1.3. When He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Sin is taken care of. We're being delivered from the wrath to come. And the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners and God communicates to us that He delivered us from the wrath to come, that He put our sins away as far as the east is from the west. That's the good news, my friends. The Gospel means the good news or the glad tidings that salvation is accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ. When He put away our sins by the sacrifice of Himself. And I'm going to tell you here that He made reconciliation for iniquity, but He also brought in an everlasting righteousness, which is the character or quality of being right. And my friends, that is what the saints of God are shown in the preaching of the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. That's why it's the power of God. It brings us to understand the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. That we see Him, that the preaching of the cross is not foolishness, but we see the great wisdom and power of God. In the forgiveness of our sins. Let's look here. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he says in Romans. For therein, in the gospel, is the power of God. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And you can, you can, so we're getting into the subject of justification by faith. And you can look in Romans chapter 3. It talks about the righteousness of God without the law. Is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. My friends, it's revealed to a person's faith. When the gospel's preached with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, I keep saying that, that's over in 1 Peter chapter 1. Those that have preached the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. And I'm going to tell you, you want to see a picture of conversion? Let's go to, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
Paul says over there, he preached. If you want to go back to Acts chapter 17, you're going to find where he went into Thessalonica. And three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them, opening and alleging, reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and died and rose again the third day. He preached the Gospel in that place. He writes them back a letter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, but I know, brethren beloved, he says, Paul, Paul, he says, uh, verse 3, knowing brethren beloved, after he addressed them, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That's, the, that's actually uh, Ephesians, excuse me. I'm glad you knew that was Ephesians. It means you read the Bible, right? Alright, over here in 1 Thessalonians. Let me turn over there. He says, we give thanks to God. Verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved of the Lord. He says, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Here's what I wanted. He says, knowing brethren, brethren beloved, your election of God. Why? He says, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. See, God attended the preaching of the gospel and witnessed those truths. A preacher can preach if he can mechanically preach the word. It'll come in word only. But the Holy Spirit takes those truths of the gospel and takes it right into your heart and shows you the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. That's what happened to these people. Alright, what did they do? He says, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. You know, there's a, there's a text over in Titus chapter 1 where he says in verse 2 and 3, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times, God's done something else, but hath in due times manifested His word through preaching. Who's manifesting the word? It's God that's manifesting the Word. Through preaching, yes, we're labors together with God. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. The Bible says, the preacher's one word, one witness. But you know one that really matters? is when the Holy Spirit witnesses the truth to you of who you are and the forgiveness of sins you have in Jesus Christ. The gospel of God is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Why? For therein in the gospel, God has seen fit to reveal the righteousness of God. And I don't really think that's talking about His attribute of righteousness. I think that's talking about the Messiah who's going to bring in an everlasting righteousness. Because the Son of God bringing in through His work of atonement on the cross, bringing in an everlasting righteousness, He did that for His people. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of, of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. In that substitutionary atonement, Christ took our sins. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. By the obedience of one, it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 19, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You know why you're going to stand before God? Because Jesus Christ brought in an everlasting righteousness for you. And my friends, when you see, see it's one thing for me to get up here and preach. 1 Timothy 1, 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. It's a whole other thing when the Holy Spirit shows you He didn't just die for sinners, He died for this sinner. This sinner. He loved me. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless. Not, uh, he says, he said, I'm crucified with Christ. He says, the, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's one thing to, un, to read and preach that Christ came to the world to save sinners. It's another thing for God to show you and manifest his truth, that truth to you, that he died for your sins. That he put your sins as far away as the east is from the west. That he purged you from your sins. Holy Spirit is the only one that's going to be able to... I can't communicate to you personally, but the Holy Spirit does. 
And that's exactly what happened here at Thessalonica. Paul was a laborer in the gospel with God. God was doing a work. Paul was one by whom they believed, but is that the Lord gave to every man. Paul planted and watered, but God gave the increase. God is the one who did that. God manifested His Word through Paul's preaching of the Gospel. And God bore witness in the hearts that you are forgiven through me. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. That you have been delivered from the wrath to come. You say, how do you know they experienced that? Because what it says in verse 9 and 10, which you've already read early this morning. He says, you know what manner of men, men of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead. They're waiting for a Jesus which had delivered us from the wrath to come. God had shown them that God had delivered them from the wrath to come. They had found for the forgiveness of sins in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was revealed to faith. This righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit witnessing in your heart that your sins are forgiven? That He is your righteousness? You're all and you're all? There's a scripture over there in Jeremiah 23 that I love. It says, it says, Behold, the days to come, saith the Lord, that I'll raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and execute justice and judgment in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Has God ever given you the choice blessing to be able to see that he is your righteousness? So I'm a poor sinner. Well, you know, I got good news. Christ came to save sinners. You say, what kind of sinner is that? The most horrible kind of sinner you can think or dream of. He came to save sinners from their sins. And that publican in Luke 18, I don't know what kind of a sinner he was. But he was brought before God in the conviction of sin in his heart with a godly sorrow. And he cried out to God, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And God, and he went down his house justified. And I'll tell anybody here, you have a burden of sin. You say, well, I'm a sinner apart from God. I'm going to tell you something else. If you're a sinner, you say, well, I've never professed Christ. I, I, I don't know about Christ. I'm just trying to do as good as I can do. I want to have more good on my ledger than bad. I'm going to tell you what, that's not going to get you first base with God. It won't get you the first base. James chapter 1 says, He that keepeth the whole law and yet offends in one point, he's guilty of all. Guilty of all. You're not getting to heaven by works, my friend. Not at all. You're not going to get forgiveness of sins by works. You try to work all you want, you can never do it. There's some in Matthew chapter 7 that said this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, For many shall say on, me, on that day, For many shall say unto me, Lord, have we prophesied in thy name? Have we done all these marvelous works? He says, Then will I profess unto them I never knew them. Salvations, people get all kinds of ideas how they're going to get their, you know, they, they're convicted of their sins. They're never, they, how am I going to get this patched up? I would, if there's any here to, who see they have need of forgiveness of sins, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ, for there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. He's the only one that forgives sin. I'm going to point you to the same one. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He only has the power to forgive sin. And you see your need of a Savior. I'm going to tell you. Over there, according to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7, He says, Call ye. Upon him while he is near. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. I'd say look to the Lord. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He says let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him turn unto the Lord. And he'll have mercy upon him. And unto our God for he will abundantly pardon. And if you've never had that matchless blessing, I pray the Lord would bless you to see your forgiveness of sins of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Him. Don't come to me. Don't try to work. He says over there in Matthew 11, He says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Are you tired of working for life? Are you tired of doing all these things to get right with God and get on His good? You'll never do it, my friends. 
Like the Isaac was says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. I would exhort you to cling to the cross of Christ. Look unto Him. You'll never get yourself right with God. But I got some good news. Jesus Christ. You say, I don't know. You don't know, preacher, how big of a sinner I am. Well, I know that Jesus Christ is a big Savior. And He says, this is the faithful saying of the Lord, worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. There's forgiveness in Him. You say, well, I'm a member of the church. I've been trying to serve the Lord all these years. Well, you know what? We still need forgiveness too, don't we? Maybe we've erred. And I know I'm going long. You don't have to. I'm not, I know I went long. I'm sorry. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes we can get in a, uh, even someone's been in the church. I've been trying to serve the Lord all these years. And maybe you backslid away from God. Maybe you turned and you did something. So, okay. I mean, I've experienced this. I said, okay. Instead of going to the Lord and confessing my sin before the Lord, I said, well, I've got to get real busy over here to make up for it. Have y'all ever done that? Am I, am, I, am I the only one that's ever done that? Say, well, I better start living better over here and do this. I'm doing the same thing that others do to try to get right with God. And it never works. If we sin, John says it says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There's a, he's the propitiation for our sins. And he says there in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's the remedy for sin? Confess your sins. He's faithful to forgive you of your sins. May God bless you, all of us, to do that today. May God bless you is my prayer.